Hello and welcome to College Football Mania. I'm your host, Brendan Hendricks, and today I'm going to be breaking down my way too early top 25 teams heading into 2020. So I've pretty much only seen two teams at number one. It's either going to be Clemson or Ohio State, but my number one's actually going to be Alabama. Alabama, I think, would have been in the national championship game last year. I think they would have lost to LSU because I think that LSU team last year was the best college football team of all time so far. Um, but if they didn't lose to uh, in that game against Mississippi State, they definitely would have made that national championship. And I get they're losing to, uh, to the draft. He got drafted fifth overall by the Dolphins. But I think Mac Jones matured a lot over the season. He showed he was completely capable of throwing over 300 yards against top defenses. He did it against Michigan in their bowl game and against Auburn. Um, he struggled with interceptions against Auburn, but I think with time he'll get that better. And if Mac Jones isn't doing well enough for the Tide, um, five-star incoming freshman Bryce Young, who is the top dual-threat quarterback in the 2020 recruiting class, can get it done. So I think Mac Jones is more than capable of leading this team, but if he's not, Bryce Young can. Um, they also lose Henry Ruggs third and Jerry Judy, uh, two amazing receivers, both of who got drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. But I think they have the next best upcoming receiving duo in the nation and Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith, two just outstanding playmakers. I think Jalen Waddell's the shiftiest receiver in the nation as well. Najee Harris also returns for his senior season. I think he's one of the best, if not the best, running backs in the nation. Uh, the only person I could see being better than him is Travis Etienne for Clemson. Alabama's also going to return with the top 10 defense. Dylan Moses and Joshua McMillan are back after sitting out last season with injuries, which may solve Bama's linebacker woes. That was a big part of what went wrong with their defense last season. Their defense last year was definitely a step back, but I think after increasing their depth in, the, in their last two recruiting cycles, their defense should be back up to their standards, which their standards is one of, if not the best defenses in the country. Nick Saban is also the best coach in the country and is capable of pretty much outcoaching anyone. I think with Alabama's increased defensive depth, the maturation of Mac Jones and incoming Bryce Young, Alabama should return to dominance. So my runner-up to Bama was actually the runner-up to LSU in last year's national championship, which is Clemson. Clemson has made the playoffs five years in a row now, which is a very impressive streak. This stat actually shocked me when I read it. Clemson has only lost five games in the past five years. Trevor Lawrence as a starter for Clemson is 29-1. and one. Of course, that one loss coming to LSU uh, in the national title game last year, or this year, last season. Um, I think his third and final year is going to be hopefully his best one. He should become an even better player. Uh, Lawrence is one of the X factors in the nation. He showcased this super well against Ohio state on that 60 something yard run that really turned the game around. Lawrence also is surrounded by so many offensive weapons. Travis Etienne returns alongside a deep, deep receiving core. I know uh, Justin Ross is going to be out, but Clemson recruits great as always. They've recruited a lot of top receivers. They have a lot of great backup receivers, um, and Clemson averaged 40, almost 44, 43.9 points a game last year. Clemson is losing 
I think, the best pl- defensive playmaker in the country. And Isaiah Simmons, um, they're also losing four of their off- starting offensive line. But Clemson is Clemson. They play in the ACC as well, so I don't see these losses being too harsh. Um, Clemson's definitely the safest bet, as always, to make the playoffs. They can just shred through their schedule. And I'd say they have the best defensive line in the country. Uh, Brett Venables is an insane defensive coordinator. He'll have a ton of depth around him, which will just let him continue to outscheme every offense he faces. Just his schemes are so hard to beat, especially with all that talent. So I think Lawrence is an X factor. Lawrence will just shred secondaries. I don't see many ACC teams getting past that tough Clemson defense, and I see them making the playoffs undefeated easily. So my number three team is obviously going to be Ohio State. Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence are going to face off to see who's the best quarterback in college football. Both of them are great players. Um, And I think Justin Fields will have even more uh, receiving weapons, not so much running back, but I think he'll have better receivers to throw to than Trevor Lawrence will. Uh, Chris Olave is the best deep route runner in the nation. I think Garrett Wilson's going to turn into a breakout star, and they have incoming five-star freshmen Jackson Smith, Najibba, and Julian Fleming. Uh, the biggest offensive concern for me is definitely their running back depth. They lose J.K. Dobbins to the draft and master Teague, who was going to take over him had a nasty Achilles injury during the off season. Trey Sermon, who transferred in from Oklahoma is likely going to get the start. We haven't seen a whole lot of him, but he should get it done. But still the depth is just not there. Ohio state's defense is going to lose chase young. One of the best playmakers in the country last year and both their starting corners, Jeff Bakuda and Damon Arnett. Uh, They're losing five starters on defense and defensive coordinator Jeff Halfley, who's now Boston College's head coach. But despite these losses, Ohio State still looks to have a top five defense, even though it's being rebuilt. I still think it'll be top five. Uh, This defense, this young defense, is immediately going to be tested when Ohio State travels to Eugene, Oregon, to face off against Oregon on September 12th. Um, And I think the biggest matchup, which will definitely... So the Oregon game and then this game are definitely going to dictate Ohio State's season. Their matchup against Penn State on October 24th is going to be a brutal road game for them. Uh, Penn State may not seem like the fiercest competition, especially for a team as strong as Ohio State, but ESPN has Ohio State favored by seven points on a neutral field. However... This game is not going to be played on a neutral field. It's going to be played in Happy Valley and what is going to be most likely if fans are in the stadium, which I'm assuming they will be at this point in time. Penn State's wideout game, which is going to be just uh, what a brutal game for Ohio State. If they're able to get it done, though, they should be a lock in for the playoffs. I can't see them really struggling with any other teams on their schedule besides uh, Oregon and Penn State. So that is why they're my number three team. Heading into number four, there is definitely a drop-off. I can see arguments for any of the top th- my top three teams being number one. I think you could rearrange them, and I would still agree with almost all of them. You move Bama to three, Clemson to one, Ohio State to two. You can shuffle them around. I think they're just—it's it, splitting hairs deciding 
between one, two, and three. But I think once you get to four down, there's definitely a drop-off point. My number four team actually even surprised me that I'm putting them here, but after researching it a lot and just looking over it, my number four team is Penn State. Lots of people are asking, is this going to be Penn State's breakout year? Are they going to finally be able to make the playoffs? And I think so. They're returning nine out of 11 starters on offense, including one of the best running back trios in the nation with Journey Brown, Noah Kane, and Devin Ford, all of who are capable of just completely running over defenses. And quarterback Sean Clifford looks to improve upon an already good sophomore season. And they're bringing in a new offensive coordinator in Kirk Ciaroca. I probably butchered that name, but that you know can't hurt this already dominant offense. Uh, Ciaroca is known for a zone-heavy run system, and with the aforementioned running back trio along with an O-line who is great at run blocking, Penn State looks to have a completely deadly run game. On top of that, that run game should be able to open up lots of passing opportunities for Sean Clifford. Penn State does lose K.J. Hamler, who was their instant offense last season, but I think this run game will be so hard to cover. It'll give Sean Clifford plenty of uh, opportunities to throw the ball well. And on the defensive side of the ball, linebacker Micah Parsons looks to be one of, if not the best, defensive players in the country. Penn State does lose a few other starters on defense, but I still think, especially with Micah Parsons at that middle position in linebacker, uh, they'll be able to limit many of their opponents' offenses, especially their run games. The biggest deciding factor for this Penn State team, whether they're going to make the playoffs or not, is going to be the game against Ohio State. It's going to be, in my opinion, I think it's going to be a very close game. Could go either way. If there are fans in the stadiums, I do think Penn State will be favored. But if the season's played without fans, I definitely would go with Ohio State. I just, it's going to be a very tough game for both teams. Penn State wins. Um, I can't really see any other team slowing them down to make the playoffs. As long as Ohio State or Penn State don't choke an easy game, Penn State does have to play um, on the road against Virginia Tech, which will be a challenging game. That's probably their second hardest game of the season. But if Ohio State or Penn State doesn't choke, the winner of Ohio State versus Penn State is going to be in the Big Ten Championship. So I think this could be Penn State's breakout year. I think it will be Penn State's breakout year. Uh, and I think this is definitely going to be my number four team. Coming at my number five spot is actually going to be Oklahoma. Um, a lot of it comes down to quarterback. Lincoln Riley's past three quarterbacks under him have all been Heisman finalists with Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray both winning. And I don't think it's far-fetched for Spencer Rattler to be the fourth in a row to become a Heisman finalist. Uh, my biggest concern on offense is uh, receiving depth. They lost C.D. Lamb to the NFL, and Jaden Hasselwood got injured in the offseason, and Theo Howard transferred out to UCLA. So they're going to be, mi be missing a lot of depth there. They still have Charleston Rambo and Theo Weiss on the outside, both of who should, who should be able to make some plays and are both good playmakers, but just the depth there worries me. Um, OU has won the conference title four years in a row. I think they'll make it five contested, but I think they'll be able to do it. Big 12 has notoriously weak defenses, and I think Spencer Rattler, especially with Lincoln Riley coaching him up, should just decimate as long as, um, like I said, Charleston Rambo and Theo Weiss can step up. 
I think Spencer Rattler will just tear up those Big 12 defenses. He was the top pro-style quarterback in the 2019 class. Um, Yeah. Alex Grinch is entering his second year as defensive coordinator. Last year, we already saw him make some, although not as much as some hoped, but he still made some improvement, and I think he'll be able to improve yet again on the defense. Oklahoma is returning eight defensive starters, and they have some tough games, especially against Texas, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State, but I think this team will be good enough to get those wins. I think they should finish the regular season with undefeated or with one loss. So the team I have ranked six is going to be Florida. Uh, The Gators return with most of their offense, including breakout star QB Kyle Trask, running back Damian Pierce. Um, Damian Pierce averaged 5.6 yards per carry last season, which which is a great stat. And uh, probably the best tight end in the nation, Kyle Pitts. Dan Mullins entering his third year as head coach. And in his first two seasons, he won two New Year's Six Bowl games, which is a great track record so far. Uh, his first season, he went 10-3, and three, and last season, he went 11-2. and two. Um, On defense, Florida's going to need to replace Jonathan Grinnard and Jabari Zaniga as edge rushers, um, which could cause a little bit of uncertainty on that defensive line. Uh, but Florida's also going to have a lot of depth on defense thanks to multiple strong recruiting cycles under Dan Mullen. Defensive coordinator Ton Grantham should lead another top 10 defense uh, with the Gators. So I think their offense under Kyle, under quarterback Kyle Trask will be good. I think their run game is going to be strong. And I think they're going to have a very stingy defense. Um, Florida also doesn't have to travel to Baton Rouge this year, which is major has I think that is the hardest place to play in college football and instead we'll have home field advantage against LSU and a lot of I think the most exciting uh conference race or division conference race in the nation is Florida Georgia so obviously I'm putting Florida ahead of Georgia I think Florida is going to beat Georgia this year I think this is their year I think if Florida is going to catch Georgia uh, this is their year to do it. Dan Mullen's been had several successful uh, recruiting cycles. I think QB Kyle Trask is better than most uh, hoped even Felipe Franks would be. Um, I think it's just all going to come together for the Gators, and I think they will finally be able to topple Georgia and um, make the SEC championship game. And unsurprisingly, my number seven spot's going to go to Georgia. Um I just think Florida's going to edge them out this year in the SEC East, but Georgia still is a very strong team. They are in my top 10. The player to watch for Georgia, and this is this guy's going to be a major determining factor in the Florida-Georgia race, is uh, Wake Forest grad transfer Jamie Newman. He put up pretty decent stats at Wake Forest, but I never really, looking at his stats, he never really dominated defenses in the ACC which is worrisome because SE defenses are just so much tougher than the ACC. It's no contest. So if he wasn't able to destroy and decimate defenses in the ACC, I think he's really going to struggle against SEC defenses. And I could be wrong. This is all just speculation, but that's just what I see. Georgia's also losing three of their offensive linemen and um, also losing one of the best O-line coaches in the country, Sam Pittman. 
but there should be more depth at receiver. I know last year it was pretty much the George Pickens show, um, but there's been some good recruiting cycles under Kirby Smart lately. They've picked up some good uh, receivers, and so Jamie Newman should have many new weapons, but his main one will still most likely be George Pickens. The Bulldogs do lose running back DeAndre Swift, and they're losing 3-0 linemen, so I think their run game is definitely going to be struggling, especially early season. Um, Their offense definitely has some lingering questions. How well is Jamie Newman going to be able to play, Uh, especially with that run game being a little bit decimated by losses in the O-line and to the starting running back? Um, You know, there are just lots of questions up in the air. But... Georgia's defense doesn't have any questions for me. Georgia has the best defense in the country. I don't think it's really a contest. I think it's fairly obvious Georgia will have the best defense in the country. Last year, Georgia ranked number one in total defense, and eight starters on that number one total defense are returning. Both of Georgia's DBs, Eric Stokes and Richard LeCount, have potential to be first-round picks. Nasty secondary. Uh, Their run game strong, returning, like I said, eight starters. I think the main reason, I have lots of questions about Georgia's offense, but I think their defense is just so dominant they should be able to hold off most opposing offenses um, and keep them from outscoring their own offense. So I think Georgia's offense is going to continue to struggle. It struggled last year under Jake Fromm. I think it isn't really going to pick up a whole lot under Jamie Newman, and I could be wrong, but... I just think their defense is super stingy. I think they're going to shut down so many offenses. Uh, I just think Georgia's offense is too weak for me to rank them ahead of Florida at the moment. Coming in at number eight is Oregon. Uh, So Oregon has a big loss losing uh, starting quarterback, four-year senior Justin Herbert. Uh, Word is that Tyler Show will likely be taking over at quarterback, although the position isn't set yet. Um, Oregon has the best left tackle in the nation, one of the best players in the nation, and Panay Sewell. Um, they're going to have a mostly young offensive line, but I think Panay Sewell will be able to anchor uh, this line and really be able to protect the quarterback and um, will be able to run block really well because Oregon's returning 1,000-yard rusher C.J. Verdell. So with that great left tackle, Panay Sewell, and C.J. Verdell returning, they're going to have a pretty strong run game. The Ducks are a clear favorite to win the Pac-12 again. I can't really see any um, team other than maybe USC giving them a run for their money, but my pick is obviously Oregon. I think everyone's is. Oregon has a very strong receiving trio. They have Johnny Johnson, Jalen Red, and Micah Pittman. Uh, if Tyler Show does get the start, he'll have plenty of weapons with C.J. Verdell. He'll have great pass protection behind Penny Sewell, and he has this great receiving core. The offense should be good enough to put up enough points to win, especially against Pac-12 defenses. The offense will also be led by Joe Moorhead, who um, is their new offensive coordinator after being head coach at Mississippi State. He was a great offensive coordinator at Penn State before he got the job at Mississippi State. So he should be pretty good for the Ducks. He'll most likely devise an RPO scheme. The Ducks really shine in defense. Oregon has a top three defense. This defense is insane. I'd even put them at two. I think they have the second best defense besides um, only Georgia. They're returning all five of their defensive backs and have two five-star linebackers and Justin Flo and Noah Sewell. 
Um, and one of those DBs is Brady Breeze, who is Rose Bowl MVP. Great player. Oregon's defensive line is loaded and led by senior defensive tackle Jordan Scott. Orphans, Oregon's defense is going to completely shut down Pac-12 offenses. They're my pick to win the Pac-12. I think they'll dominate their schedule. And behind Oregon at number nine for me is LSU. LSU, I think, don't let my number nine ranking fool you. I think most people have them top five. I have them nine just because they suffered so many losses, but I think this is still definitely a team to be reckoned with. Um, most of their losses on the offseason hit them particularly hard on the offense. The Tigers passing game coordinator Joe Brady is gone. He went to the Panthers, along with one of the greatest college quarterbacks ever in Joe Burrow. Miles Brennan, who's going to take over for Joe Burrow, is going to have very large shoes to fill. There's still definitely going to be a factor, like I said, but there's going to be a drop-off. The question is just how much of a drop-off will there be? They're still going to have one of the best wide receivers in the nation in Jamar Chase, and they'll have the best quarter cornerback, in my opinion, Derek Stingley Jr. The defense is mostly most likely going to transition to a 4-3 scheme under Bo Calanay. Um, LSU lost a lot of talent. That doesn't mean they're talentless, and I think they'll be a major um, force in 2020, and they're really going to cause some havoc in the SEC West. I just don't think they're anywhere near as good as last season. At number 10, I have Wisconsin. Wisconsin's offense is going to have to change a lot if they're going to do well this season. They're losing one of the best running backs in college football history and Jonathan Taylor. His backup, Nakia Wilson, Watson, excuse me, will take over, although he averaged just under two fewer yards per carry than Taylor last season. They're also losing Remington Award winner Tyler Baidaz, who was one of the best centers in the country last year. But quarterback Jack Cohn is returning, who last year played extremely efficient and had a 69.6 completion percentage. If Cohn is able to improve even more, he should be able to limit the damage of Taylor leaving. However, Wisconsin has, in my opinion, the best defense in the Big Ten. I think they have a better defense than Ohio State this year. Nine defensive starters are returning for Wisconsin. Last year, Wisconsin finished fourth in overall yards allowed, and with so many of their starters returning, they should be able to match, if not exceed, how good their defense was last year. Um, Wisconsin has a three-game stretch that's most likely going to dictate their season. They play at Michigan, at Notre Dame, and then play Minnesota at home. If they can win this three-game stretch and not choke any of the other games, which Wisconsin choking worries me, that's the reason I want to put them higher. But after some of their big chokes last season, I don't really think I can. They did lose to an unranked Illinois team who barely made a bowl game. Um, but I think this team has such a high ceiling, and I think if they can just not pull a Wisconsin and not choke, I think they could definitely be a playoff contender. If they can win that three-game stretch, I think they can make the playoffs. At number 11, I have Texas A&M. The Aggies are returning 16 starters. 24-7 Sports ranks their returning production at 16th in the entire country. Kellen Mond, their quarterback, enters his senior year after starting three years, and I think his senior year will be his best year. The Aggies' past two seasons have been absolutely brutal schedule-wise, but the Aggies should be able to be 6-0 going into their game against Auburn. If they're not 6-0, it would be pretty embarrassing as they have such a soft um, 
first six games. I think if they're 6-0, and which they really should be, um, going into Auburn, they'll definitely have a chance to win that game with that um, momentum they're going to build. And if they're able to beat Auburn, which is a big if, they're playing at Auburn this year, very hard place to play. But if they can beat Auburn, they should be 10-0 going into Bama and then LSU. I think they'll lose to Bama, and I think they'll most likely lose to LSU. And I think they have a decent chance to lose to Auburn, although I think they could definitely beat Auburn as well. So my prediction for the Aggies is if I want to do go safe, it would be 9-3, and three, but I'm predicting a 10-2. and two. Jimbo Fisher has been recruiting extremely well, and there should be lots of talent on both sides of the ball. If lots of this uh, Aggie season rests on Kellen Mond, if he's able to step up, he should be able to lead this team to a 10-2 and two season and a great bowl game. At 12, I got Auburn. I think last season, Bonix was the definition of an X-factor. He may not have had the most insane stat line. He threw for a good amount of yards, but he had just under a 50% completion percentage. But he was also a true freshman, so I can excuse that. Bonick should be able to work out some, if not all, of his kinks, especially that completion percentage. And I think he'll evolve into a truly elite quarterback. Auburn also still has a very good and very deep receiving core. And I think Bonix is completely capable of putting up enough points to win games with all the weapons around him. My biggest concern for this Auburn offense is that they're losing four of their five offensive linemen, which that's going to impact the run game heavily and also pass protection on Bo Nix. But I still think with that deep receiving core and with Bo Nix, in my opinion, being such an X factor in games, um, that it won't be too much of a problem. Where Auburn truly shines, though, is defense. They have a top three defense going into 2020. Auburn signed defensive coordinator Kevin Steele to an extension, which made him the highest paid assistant in college football. He is raking in $2.5 million annually. Steele has a very good track record so far, um, and Auburn's defense will be loaded with talent this season as well as the seasons before. Um and should be able to limit the majority of offenses they face off against. With this just killer defense and Bo Nix, I think Auburn's definitely um, going to be able to cause some havoc in the SEC West. 13th on my list is Oklahoma State, which surprised me that I'm putting them this high, but once I looked into their stats, it was hard not to put them top 15. Running back Chuba Hubbard and wide receiver Tylen Wallace both returned for their senior seasons. Chuba Hubbard's one of the best backs in all of college football. He put up monstrous stats his past starting years. Um, so that's a huge win for the Cowboys that they're retaining him. Oklahoma State, this is the main reason they're so high. Um, they'll have one of the most experienced rosters in all of college football. 24-7 Sports ranks their returning production as ninth in the nation. Redshirt quarterback Spencer Sanders should get the start. And I think he'll be able to do really well for this offense, especially throwing to Tylen Wallace. Ten defensive starters are returning as the Cowboys defense continues to improve under Jim Knowles. And Oklahoma State should be able to beat most conference opponents, except for, you know, maybe OU. And I think they'll play Texas close. But besides that, they should be able to beat everyone else. And um, they have just such a soft out-of-conference schedule. It's ridiculous. If Oklahoma State plays their cards right and make a few upsets against OU and Texas, I think they could definitely make a run at the playoffs. 
At 14th, I got Minnesota. P.J. Fleck won Big Ten Coach of the Year last year, and he looks to continue to dominate the Big Ten East, besides Iowa and Wisconsin, who were their only two conference losses last season. Tanner Morgan, who in my opinion is a top-five quarterback in the nation, last season he threw for 3,253 yards with a completion percentage of 66%, is back along with a dominant receiver, Rashad Bateman. Last year he averaged 20.3 yards per catch and had 1,200 yards. Running back Mahabrit Ibrahim is also back, who did pretty well last year with 5.3 yards per carry. Minnesota Minnesota should definitely have another very high-powered offense. They return five out of five offensive linemen. Defense is where the questions start to arise for the Gophers. The Gophers are losing eight starters, including starter star safety Antoine Winfield Jr., who had seven interceptions last season. There are some big blows to the defense, definitely. Um, but P.J. Fleck has been recruiting fairly well, especially after last season's run. And if he's able to rebuild this defense successfully, Minnesota should definitely be a force to be reckoned with. At 15th is a team I definitely did not expect to make my top 15. Uh, but once I looked into them, it was kind of hard not to put them at 15th. The team in question is UNC. Um, I definitely wasn't expecting them to rank this high on my list. But Sam Howell, who's one of the main reasons they're this high, set records for UNC as a true freshman. And I think he'll develop into an even better quarterback this year. 24-7 sports ranks UNC's returning production at 18th in the country as the Tar Heels bring back 17 starters. Now, when you consider that UNC went 7-6 and six last year, returning production might not seem so impressive or seem to really matter. Like, why does it matter how good this team is and how you know much production they're returning if with that production last year, they could only go 7-6? and six? But that's until you consider that all six of UNC's losses were by eight points or fewer. So I think UNC should definitely be able to beat most of their conference opponents uh, this year. And I think with that returning production, along with the maturation of Sam Howell, they'll definitely be able to cause some havoc in the ACC. Um, questions start to arise, though, when you consider their out-of-conference games, which are pretty tough. They're going to be playing UCF, Auburn and James Madison. So many people listening to this are probably thinking, what James Madison? Like I've never even heard of that team. James Madison was the runner up in the FCS national championship who came within a possession of beating North Dakota state. North Dakota state's won the national championship, like what nine years in a row now or some crazy stat like that. And so if there's a team, so North Dakota state's an crazy, a crazy dominant team. And if there's a team that can get within a possession of beating them, I think James Madison's definitely going to be a sleeper on this UNC schedule. And I think if UNC doesn't prepare right, they could really surprise them. All of their out-of-conference games are early in the season, and if UNC loses all three, it could definitely lead to another disappointing season. But I'm confident in Sam Howell, and I'm expecting him to win at least two of these games. And I think uh, UNC is my pick to go to the ACC championship against Clemson. 16th on my list is going to be USC. Uh, last year, freshman quarterback Keaton Slovis set records and under offensive coordinator Graham Harrell, I think he'll develop into an even better quarterback. 
Slovis will have plenty of offensive weapon, weapons, including wide receivers, Amon Ross St. Brown, Drake London, and Kyle Ford, all of who are excellent, excellent players. Uh, Keaton Slovis seemed to have kind of a slow start last year, but especially towards the end of the season, he started to heat up. They did have a just embarrassing loss to Iowa. They got completely destroyed in the Holiday Bowl by them, but I feel like they were largely unmotivated in that game. A good season here for USC could take head coach Clay Helton off the hot seat, and I think this team is more capable of any other uh, Pac-12 South team of making a run for the Pac-12 championship. At 17 on my list, I have Notre Dame. Notre Dame's a team most people have ranked in their top 10, and I'm going to give all the reasons why they're not in my top 10 or even in my top 15. Notre Dame just seems to always underperform with the talent they have. They're led by senior quarterback Ian Book, who put up pretty good numbers, but just didn't play up to his expectations in the big games. Against top 50 defenses last season, he had a 56% completion rate and threw 10 touchdowns and 6 interceptions, which is not great. Unless Ian Book can step up his game against top teams, I don't think Notre Dame is a top 10 team. They just really can't compete with big teams. Notre Dame does, however, have some impact freshmen and power back Chris Tyree and wide receiver Jordan Johnson. Notre Dame's offensive line should continue to be strong, but Ian Book's production against top-tier teams just worries me. I don't think they can beat top teams if their quarterback can't play against them. Notre Dame also has a big question mark for defense this year as only five defensive starters return. However, defensive coordinator Clark Lee has put together two top 15 defenses in the past two seasons. Notre Dame has a rough schedule ahead of them, facing off against Wisconsin and USC at home and traveling to Clemson. I think this team is capable of having a great season, and I really hope they prove me wrong. But just with Ian Book's lackluster performance and this defense only returning five starters, I'm just I just feel like everyone's going to be disappointed by them yet again for another season. Number 18, I have Washington. Washington has an absolutely brutal schedule ahead of them though, with games against Michigan week 1, Oregon and USC. However, my biggest concern even bigger than this tough schedule is them replacing starting quarterback Jacob Eason. They should have a very strong offensive line though and running back Richard Newton looks to become a breakout star. Where Washington is strongest, like a lot of the teams on this list, is defense, where they have what looks to be a top 10 defense heading into 2020. They're returning four of their front six, which will lead to another strong run defense, and Washington is going to start two true sophomores in Asa Turner and Cameron Williams. Washington will most likely stick with their base nickel scheme and only need to replace Miles Bryant. Many parts of Washington's team are young and talented, and I think they'll definitely surprise some people in 2020. But again, that schedule, along with losing Jacob Eason, it's going to be tough. The number 19 team on my list is a team most people have a lot higher, but I'm going to give my reasons why I have them ranked so low. Coming in at 19th on my list is going to be Michigan. Michigan's another team that has a brutal schedule in the 2020 season. They have road games against Washington, Michigan State, who should be a little bit scarier under new head coach Mel Tucker, Minnesota, and Ohio State into home game against Wisconsin. 
on top of this brutal road schedule, they'll have to break in either Dylan McCaffrey or Joe Milton as quarterback. The Wolverines are losing four of their five offensive linemen, and 24-7 sports ranks them 125th in the nation in returning production. Michigan should have another top 15 defense, but the offense is very questionable. Michigan has a very tough schedule ahead of them and doesn't seem to have the talent or coaching to get through it. 20th on my list is Texas, another team people have ranked a lot higher than me. I've heard Texas is back so many times and way too many times to rank them top 15. The Longhorn season seems easily collapsible as Tom Herman brings in two new coordinators, which cranks up the heat on his already burning hot seat. The Longhorns are also losing star receiver Colin Johnson and receiver Devin DuVernay. The Longhorns' defense is terrible, finishing 98th in the country in yards allowed per play last season. Is there any hope for this team? Definitely. Longhorns returned senior quarterback Sam Ellinger, who I think is one of the most talented and passionate players in all of college football. Longhorns also landed five-star running back Bijan Robinson, who could be an immediate defense maker. 24-7 Sports ranks the Longhorns as having the 21st best product returning production in the nation. This season is definitely a breaker bust for Tom Herman, and I think it could really go either way, although I think it's going to be much more of a bust. The Longhorns have the capability to shred their way through their Big 12 Conference games, although a road trip to Baton Rouge in Week 2 could set the tempo of the season negatively. I don't have a lot of faith in this team. I don't think Texas is back this year, but they could prove me wrong, and I hope they do. 21 on my list is Iowa State. Two words, Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy is one of the most prolific passers in the nation, leading Big 12 quarterbacks in passing yards with 306.3 yards per game, and I think he is more than capable of leading his team through their 2020 schedule. Matt Campbell has also emerged as one of the Big 12's best coaches. The Cyclones are going to return nine starters on defense, a defense that was a top three scoring defense in the Big 12 last year. Four of the Cyclones' six losses were by seven points or less, and the Cyclones are going to have a pretty tough schedule, though. They have to take road trips to Oklahoma State, TCU, and Texas, which could put an end to a promising season. Coming in at 22 is going to be Arizona State. On the topic of quarterback, since we were talking about Brock Purdy, Jaden Daniels is one of the most exciting players in the country, passing for nearly 3,000 yards, rushing for 350 yards, and having a touchdown-interception ratio of 17-2. to The Sun Devils have also been recruiting pretty well, especially offensively heading into 2020, and picked up some new O-linemen out of the transfer portal. The Sun Devils are returning eight defensive starters, and we saw how talented this team, led by Herm Edwards, can be when they upset Oregon last year and kept them out of the playoffs. The biggest downside to the Sun Devils is that they have to take road trips to USC and Oregon, although I think Jaden Daniels is capable of pulling some more upsets off. At 23, I have Tennessee. The Vols had a downright awful start to their season last year, losing to Georgia State but they showed a lot of promise ending the season on a six-game winning streak, including an exciting bowl win over Indiana. 
During the streak, the Vols allowed just 15.5 points per game. Tennessee is also returning 17 starters. The Vols will likely have a top 10 defense going into 2020, which should be able to shut down enough teams' offenses to let the Vols collect some wins. I think they're going to be a good team, and I think they're going to surprise a lot of people, especially in the SEC East. 24th on my list is Virginia Tech. The Hokies are ranked 6th in returning production by 24-7 sports and return 18 starters. Hendon Hooker, who had a touchdown-to-interception ratio of 13-2, to which isn't quite as good as Jaden Daniels, but is still very impressive, should be able to step up after an already good year and lead the Vols to more wins. Star cornerback Caleb Farley should lead the Hokies to having one of the best secondaries in the entire nation. And the ACC competition isn't exactly the toughest, which could lead the Hokies to having a pretty good season, although they do have to play Penn State in their second game of the season. The Hokies aren't my pick to make the ACC championship game, but I think they'll be pretty decent. And at 25, I have Iowa. No top 25 list is complete without Iowa. They've been so consistent over their past seasons. Iowa had a 10-win season last year and dominated the Holiday Bowl, beating USC 49-24. The Hawkeyes will have to replace QB Nate Stanley, who has started the last 39 games for the Hawkeyes, going impressively 27-12. The Hawkeyes should have a pretty stingy defense as usual and have a good running back core. The main problem for the Hawkeyes will be their road game against their road games against Minnesota, Ohio State, and Penn State, and they have to play Wisconsin at home. Just a nasty schedule. The Hawkeyes are one of those consistent teams, like I said, and I think they'll be able to have another decent season ahead of them, although that schedule is scary. Thanks for joining me of this week's edition of College Football Mania. Tune in next week to listen to my top 10 quarterbacks heading into the 2020 season.